Hey, Sobertown. Welcome to the Sobertown Podcast. I'm Julie. Some of you know me as Dry Mountain Mama, and I'm here with Steve Kay to bring you Sobertown's Rewired Podcast. We're diving into the book Rewired by Erica Spiegelman and learning how it can completely change the way we think and help us create a life so full that there's no space left for alcohol. Before we get started, I want to invite you to visit SobertownPodcast.com where you will find all of the podcast episodes and tons of recovery-related resources. You'll find tools like Todd's blog, which includes his sobriety toolbox, filled with great ideas for handling cravings, reframing difficult thoughts, dealing with drinking situations, and everything else you need to tackle sobriety. We also want to give a shout-out to the I Am Sober app and the community there, where many of us met and have found our tribe, creating the foundation for successful recovery. If you haven't yet, do go download the I Am Sober app and come join us there. I'd like to welcome a friend from the IAS community, SoberTownPodcast.com, and host the Monday Night Rewired Zoom meeting. She goes by Sober I Thrive on IAS and Viv in real life. How are you tonight? I am doing awesome. I am so happy to be here. So grateful to be here. I've listened to your podcast before, and I am just humbled by the experience that um, to be and um, with the theme, the February of love. Um, I go by Sober I Thrive. My name is Viv. I'm from Los Angeles, California, and I'm 383 days sober. I'm a member of the IAS I Am Sober crew or group. Awesome. Congratulations on the time sober. Thank you. Thank you. Time flies when you're having fun, I guess, huh? Sure does. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So glad you're here tonight. Um, So we are, it's February. It is the month of love. So it sounds like you're here to talk a little bit about the the love chapter in Rewired with us. Um, She says in, in the chapter, love is the crowning jewel of recovery work. And I think that's such a neat idea and so important. Um, Love encompasses every aspect of recovery and it encompasses every aspect of that's covered in the book. Um, Things like authenticity and honesty and gratitude and compassion. All of those things are, are a part of love. Um, And really so good at that way is essentially self-love right that's what we're doing and that's what we're focusing our time on and and all of this effort and energy and then from there we really start to be able to truly love others um and so I think that's kind of what you're here to talk about with us today is is loving ourselves and then um extending that love to the other people in our lives and, and around us right yeah when I um researched uh because I do the research for the rewired um on Mondays and I really dove into the chapter um and I looked at it from so many different aspects and yes one of the things that she says is that love is the crown jewel and why because it gives you the basis for all the principles in rewired which is true we can't have self-care healthy relationships gratitude compassion love and hope without actually holding the basis of love. Now, one of the the ways that I really was looking at it and I had discussed with the group was it's very easy to love the people around us when they act the way that that we want them to. 
And it's so easy to love the people um, and places and, and things um, when they're placed on a platter for us. And, um, but one of the big things that I've, that I've also learned and I, and I thought about was we're very fickle. We're fickle people, each and every one of us. Today, we start the journey one way and in the middle we change. And in the end, which I think is on our deathbed, we change, we, there's evolution of love. So I was thinking, how do we, how do we love people in the middle of our um, sobriety, in our journey of sobriety? How do we love those people that um, give us a run for, for our money? And because yes, it all starts with us. And yes, it, the, we are the basis. The, reasons that, the reason that we do become authentic and in love and grow to love ourselves and show up for ourselves is because it all starts with us. There's that aha moment where you say, I can't do this anymore. I, I, I can't continue. I'm so tired of this. And I think it's your inner self, your inner guidance, your higher self, as some um, call it, that basically beckons for you to love yourself. And I believe that that's where the journey starts. So in, in that journey of self-love, um, I was, I, I've given my sober recovery story. And in that story, I think is the story of how do we love others when they're not acting the way that we want them to. So when I became uh, sober, uh, the first four months, uh, my husband gave me the space in order for me to be able to recover. And um, I think everyone in the family gave me that space. However, at the, I think it was around the fourth or fifth month when everybody's like, okay, well, she's cool. She's got, uh, you know, a family, uh, IES village that is supporting her with unconditional love and she's in a safe place, then that's when usually I've noticed within myself and in our community that um, we start to come out and it's uh, that, that big thaw of feelings start to rise up. And everything that we were pushing down and we were self-medicating in so many ways start to bubble up to the surface. And we're like, okay, well, first of all, what do I do with this? Second of all, how do I continue? Okay, now, now I'm, I'm, I'm practicing self-care. Now I'm in love with myself. Now I'm doing all the rituals that will contribute to my sobriety. How do I continue to do it when my husband still has an addiction? And in my case, my husband had three addictions going at the same time. And I had no clue. And a lot of people say, well, how did you not have a clue? Well, when I drank, I muted everything mm -hmm. and I, you know, I muted everything. I was blind to it. And um, I, I was so self-involved with my drinking because what drinking does, as we know, um, for me uh, uh, as an alcoholic, an, an addict, an alcoholic takes an addiction. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look at anyone else. It just looks to hide the addiction so nobody can discover how bad it gets. And we take, we take, we take, so we're not 
looking at the spectrum outside of us. Right. In sobriety, and in, in, I call it discovery, because we don't really, I, I don't feel that we're recovering pieces of ourselves. I, I'm discovering pieces of myself. So when I came to a head and I saw that there were, now my husband had his own addictions going on. How did I, how do I love him? How do I process this? And it truly, truly, I basically had to come from a place of not putting meaning to his addictions, to my Mm self-worth. And and I was like, I was already four, four to five months in, into recovery. And I remember um, at the time I had a sober coach and I was talking to her about it. And I said, Hey, I've discovered my husband has, um, he had a really horrible gambling problem and he had a horrible, um, he was basically popping his ADHD pills really bad. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was a full blown addict at the time that um, because we were going through grief and both of us dove into our coping mechanisms. So in our coping mechanisms, of course, I'm, I'm diving into what's going to be, what's going to help me sustain me, which was the alcohol. Mm -hmm. And he dove into whatever's going, what was going to give him relief for his grief. So now I'm coming out of it. I'm in four months and I start seeing the, you know, these, the bills that I, I wasn't paying attention to the, the credit card bills and the statements and all of a sudden all this money coming out. And I was like, Oh my God, what the hell, where have I been? So mm-hmm. in, you know, most, when we talk about love, we have to realize that in our addiction, it wasn't that we didn't love the people around us. We, I mean, we adore our families. We adore everyone around us, our kids, our significant others, our, you know, our parents. But when you're an addict, all of that, it doesn't, it it mutes it. It mutes the love that we feel for them. So I could truly understand where he was coming from. That it wasn't that he didn't love me any less. It, it, It wasn't coming from my self-worth it was coming from a place that he didn't love himself so so in in looking at that I I had to look at look at it full you know 100% full-fledged forward um and and through it just basically throw myself more into sobriety more into the tools of what was going to help me in my recovery and not assign value again about what he was doing into myself but then again what why does love play such a big uh, basis for you in rewiring your mind and because it gives you the skills to act compassionately towards the people that you love and also it allows you to set boundaries it allows you to set boundaries for yourself because when you learn to love yourself you you're allowed to say, okay, you know what? I love you. This is, you know, this is you. This is what you're doing. I can't stop you. I can't mom you. I can't make decisions for you, but I also love myself. So therefore I don't have to tolerate it. Mm -hmm. And that's where the, the love comes in. 
And when we, when we're able to set those, set that expectation of the boundary, because I do love myself, then the boundaries kick in and you say, you know, I mean, I have this, um, uh, something that happened right in the middle of our vacation. Um, I was five months sober and, um, he's, his, his addiction was not drinking. Thank God we didn't share the same addiction, but, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, but, you know, when you have someone, you know, with those other hardcore addictions and there's three of them, it, it, it could drive you to drinking again. You know, you could say, you know, what the hell, you know, but, um, but that's where boundaries came in. And I was, I basically said, you know what, you want to drink on this vacation because he was far from his pills. He was away from his gambling. So we normally drink together on vacation. So he went to, what do we do? It's called the, the dry, dry drunk is what they call it. So you basically mm-hmm. cross, it's a cross addiction, right? Yeah. So to be him to be able to cope with it, he basically now on this vacation was taking shots and he was going full force. And I'm, you know, I'm sober Sally over here and I'm just watching it at four or five months. So I, um, what I did is, is I, I, I put in boundaries and I said, look, this is, you know, this has been two days of our vacation and you're getting really aggressive every time that you drink. And, um, this, this is all I have to say. You can choose to continue to drink. That's, that's your choice, but my choice is not to be around it. There's a two drink minimum on this vacation or that maximum that you're going to have. And if you do, I'm going to have to stand up and go to an, the other side of the resort and have my own vacation. And um, the next thing that he did, the waiter came over and he ordered another shot. And so what I did is I had to implement what I had to do and, and go, you know, fulfill what I had said. I grabbed mm-hmm. my sun bag and I walked to the other side of the resort and I didn't show up back to the hotel room till about eight, eight o'clock at night. He, sh- he showed up, he didn't say a word, and um, I, we acted like nothing had happened. The next morning we got up and he didn't drink. And then the next day he didn't drink because those, those boundaries were set, but it was all because of the basis of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I also find it like when we have family members, we can't change them you know, the ways that they are, or they will um, make, uh, you know, comments, um, possibly to trigger us. Uh, I don't know if, if it is something that, for example, my mom, uh, my mom, my mom, her culture, and it could be any mom, I guess, not culturally, but my mom is the type of person that she would much rather tell you something negative rather than giving you a positive. Okay. Yeah. So, so I basically learned that it was okay for me to, when that started to also step away and not mm-hmm. give that value, not give that value anymore, because now I was, now I was a different person. And in my, you know, in the sobriety, in the course that I was going in through the sobriety, you know, um, they would come back and they would talk about, oh, do you remember when you did this, when you were drinking? And one, yeah, and one of the things that or, or in a moment of something that was happening that was triggering in love, I realized that I wasn't that person anymore. 
So if, and, and this was also given to me by, uh, by my sober coach and in love, she's like, Viv, would you pay rent on a house that you don't live, live in, in anymore? I was like, no. So if the landlord from the previous house where you lived came in and wanted to uh, ask you to pay rent, would you pay it? And I was like, no. Well, then when someone wants to dredge up something that happened in the past, why are you still pay- paying rent on that? Right. Yep. Living rent free. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nobody gets to take that up. But I, mm-hmm. I believe that all of these base, all of this basis and what I was talking about is, you know what, this all comes down to love, the giving your self-worth given um, the way that we, that we choose to love ourselves because love is an emotion. Love is, it, it's not, um, it's emotional. It's not practical. It's, it's not logical. Love is deaf, dumb, and blind. It mm-hmm. is. When we fall in love for the first time with the person that we're with, or when we see our baby for the first time, you know, and when, when the, our child is walking for the first time and they're taking their first steps and they fall, we don't say, hey, you dummy, get up. We, we give it in love, right? Yeah. So it's the same, same thing that we do when we're changing and we're doing evolution and these people that are, have been around us for so long and know us in one certain way that's where the love and the compassion comes in because Mm -hmm. they're, they're looking at it from the eyes of who they knew and slowly they're adjusting with their eyes, you know, to the, to the new 2020 or 2.0 version of, you know, sober, I thrive a bit. And then as we go through this evolution of love within ourselves, then we go to 3.0 and, and so on and so forth. And, it's, you know, it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge at times. It's not easy. It's not a given, but I think these are the things that we learn. Um, when we go into these rewired programs, we're changing thought processes because what happens with the brain is that it's like, if we go down and I use this analogy a lot, if I got bit by, if I walked on, walked down a certain street and I got bit, bit by a black dog, the next time I walk down the street and I see another black dog, I'm going to feel a little skittish, but maybe someone else that sees that black dog never had that, um, that, uh, you know, trauma happen. So therefore what is triggering for one person when we talk about it may not be triggering for another person that they talk about. And so, yeah. And so, so when we talk about love, we're able to grow this in so many different ways to where now our thought forms, that's how the brain works. The brain, it will associate old things. And then this is how we transform our mind, our thought process, um, you know, of having that cognitive dissonance that it's not the same dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we do. We just have to completely retrain the way that we we react to things, right? I mean, we've learned for so long to react the same way. And it, it's important to recognize that things do change. And and maybe what the picture that we had in our mind needs to change also. That's exactly what the rewiring is. Well, I think that part of love of being able to um, not assign value to everything and everyone that is said is, is, is major. 
that's a major part of self-love. Um, you know, for I, when I've spoken to a lot of the people, when I do um, the rewired um, and I've had conversations with some of people that are single and they're like, I'm afraid to date because I don't know if I can love again. I, I haven't chosen the right person. Right. Um, which I, it's kind of a theme that comes up a lot and I can totally understand that because I needed someone that had an addiction in order to be able to put up with mine. If that oh, makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. There's yeah. a lot of empathy and compassion in there that, that yeah. you were given. And then in turn, you could turn around and give it back. Right? Yeah. Well, the, you got two addicts that have yeah. that. And, and maybe my addiction when I met my husband was not as bad. Maybe I was a binge drinker mm -hmm. and his addiction towards the things that he had were there and maybe they weren't as bad, but as with any addiction, it evolves, right? you know? Um, yeah. And we don't know when that evolution starts taking place. Sometimes it's a trauma. Sometimes it's a life event. Sometimes it's something so simple as a life change that we go through. And that's where the evolution of the addiction just becomes, oh, I only binge, you know, I only binge drink when I was with my friends to, I started drinking every day because, and then we can put whatever, whatever follows. Mm -hmm. Well, one, one of the things that I've seen and, and that I've come to learn is as the evolution of us in love in loving ourselves is that, and I tell this to a lot of the ladies or even the gentlemen when they're single and, and they're, they're like, I don't know, how am I going to love again? I was like, well, because you're different. An mm -hmm. addict needs an addict. You're different. You are now in a sober state where you love yourself so much that when you see someone with an addiction not loving themselves, someone that parties every day, maybe someone that has gambling problem, someone that, I mean, we could name so many addictions. Shopping can be an addiction. Eating can be an addiction. I mean, there's endless, you know, possibilities for addictions. But when we start learning the new neural pathways of loving ourselves, that's, you know, there's a saying that says, if you spot it, you got it. If you're only able to spot something in someone else that you have. So you're a lot more keen to spot someone that is going down a path of self-destruction or a path that is not serving them well. And you'll mm -hmm. be able to say, mm, maybe that's a red flag that I shouldn't go into. <laughs> and right. you'll, yeah, your picker, your picker will be better. Mm -hmm. it, 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 and I've seen it because I have, um, I'm, I'm going to be 51 this year. And I have uh, my oldest daughter's 33. Uh, my youngest daughter's 30 that are going to be 31 on Valentine's day. Oh. And uh, yeah. And my uh, oldest daughter, which is 33 is married and she, her, her due dates on Valentine's day as well. So. Oh, how neat. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, but one of those things that I, I say this with my daughter, I see, see it all the time. And we talk about this and um, through my, through my sobriety and um, all of these, I gave her the book for, from um, Erica Spiegelman. And the other day she was quoting it 
and she was like, yeah, mom, you know, I, I totally understand, you know, because I, it, now it, it, it was so funny because she had this big thing about buying flowers. She wanted somebody before to buy flowers for her. And so what did she do the other day? She bought a bouquet of roses for herself. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, that's perfect. That's wonderful. Yeah. So that's no longer waiting. It's, it's mm-hmm. now it's allowing and giving and calling in and being, you know, and self that, you know, that you deserve it. Yep. So the more that you are able to hold yourself on that, um, that, you know, it's, it's the vibration, the, the wavelength, the collection, collective consciousness, then mm-hmm. when somebody else comes in and doesn't share the same values of self-love, you're going to be able to spot that. Yeah, it'll, it, it gets, it becomes pretty obvious when you treat yourself that way and somebody else doesn't treat themselves that way, right? And it just, it's not going to match up, right? Exactly, exactly. I remember um, many years ago, I was single and um, before I met my husband and the person that I went to for life coaching, and it goes again with the whole love, the, the love and the, the the principles, he asked me to write down on, on a piece of paper, everything that I wanted in, in a man. So he sent me home, he had me do my homework. And I wrote down all these wonderful things, came back and he goes, okay, read it to me. So I read, oh, I want this and I want that. And I want here and I want that. And he goes, okay, Viv, look at those. How many of those are you? I was like, <laughs> oh, wow. Well, he goes, <laughs> At that time, you mm-hmm. know, I'm still drinking pretty. Um, I, I wasn't, no, no one ever starts out drinking on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. But we kind of start going, we, we, there's a beginning and then we start going into it, right? right. So I, I knew, I knew my things. I knew what I had going on. So, you know, I, you know, I couldn't say, well, you know, I want someone that it, it ha- is healthy and has healthy habits and is this and is that. And he was like, you're over here asking for classical music when you're playing heavy metal. How are you going to match up? And I, it just blew my mind at that point in time. I still didn't even grasp what he was saying. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if in sobriety, you get cracked open. And with these rewired, thank God, you know, for all these Zooms and these talks that we have, that we're able to, um, I, I, I don't want to say educate, but impart some sort of wisdom of what, you know, of what we've seen and what we've been through and, and how we've been able to gradually, uh, by um, going through it, to impart somewhat of a knowledge and um hopefully you know i'm i'm very i willfully say when when i'm i'm here and i'm talking that i i don't know what i'm i don't know what i'm saying and i don't know what i'm talking about but i have lived life you know and i have lived this mm-hmm. and i have found that um that being being able to grasp the emotions of self love and what does love look like I remember asking my coach, what does love look like? How do I know when this hole right here is going to be full? How? Because I was so broken when I came to, you know, uh, uh, when I, when I came out of my, 
you know, just being drunk all the time and, and detoxing and all of that. And I said, how will I know? And she goes, Viv, when you are presented with two options and you're going to choose the, not the easiest one, but the one that will render the best, the best outcome for the life you want to create that you don't have to escape from. Right. And I was like, that's beautiful because then you start, you start doing all these acts of self-love and you start looking at people with the compassion Mm -hmm. that were around you. And, um, such as, you know, um, like I said, with my husband, it's, it was, it was a journey. There came a journey at a point in time that he just did not want to come out of it. He didn't, he was so, he was so in it that I had to make the choice to give myself, give myself the love and the space. And I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know what sobriety and breaking up and what it was going to do. But what I did know is that I, a relapse was not a choice. I couldn't do it. I couldn't live that life anymore. And that's when love kicked in. And every day I just, uh, you know, at that point in time, I made the decision and I broke up our business because we were in business with each other, you know, and I broke up our business and I said, you know, I'll start over because this is my journey. This is my journey into love. And um, I was able to make the choice into, I moved out of the house and, you know, I bought a house and I bought a house with my mom, which was very, yeah, which was very triggering for me at the time because she's always had that, like I said, the first thing rather than a compliment will be something negative. But then I thought to myself, you know, when you, when you have drank so much to the point that you, you, your addiction has taken over so bad and you have done so many things to yourself, there is nothing that in, someone else can do worse to you. That is so true. Yeah. We are, are so good at hating ourselves and hurting ourselves. And, and yeah, once there's nothing anybody can say or do that is worse than what we do to ourselves. That is so true. Yeah. And I believe that this, this community shows so much compassion for us when, even when we don't have it for ourselves, you know, it just comes right back. It just comes right back. It is like the, the give and the take is so, it's so wonderful and beautiful really in the community where, you know, when you need it, you know, all you have to do is share that basically this, I, I need it. I, I need it today. Right. And, and, and it shows up. And then when you have that energy, you're giving it right. And it feels good to give it. It's and an infinity it, sign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps coming back around. And it's, it, you're right. It is just, it's absolutely beautiful. Well, that's something that I kind of read was love is magnetic, right? The more we show love, the more it comes back to us. And it's also reflective, whatever love, we show to someone ends up reflected back to us. And I think that we see that a lot in this community and also in our lives and with all of the people around us, even when we're struggling to, to love them through something, you know, they, we can still show them love. 
And in turn, they're going to end up showing it back to us. And I think that that's how we can grow together, even when when we are facing something really difficult together. Um, I think approaching any difficult situation just with love in our hearts for the people that we're that we're living with or you know that we're coming in contact with, they're just going to reflect the love right back to us in some way or another. It just happens. I think it's just human nature to respond to love with love. Um, right. And it really does. It, it deepens connections and it makes it easier or it makes it possible to get through some of the difficult easy. times. Yeah, love makes it. all things possible. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all hold hands. <laughs> but you know, it, you know what's so interesting? I, I find, and I, I read in her book that she made such a good point. She was, she said, when you're in fear um, what is it? The components, there's two components. It is fear and, um, fear and love together equals, um, uh, what does she call it? She calls it jealousy. Yep. When mm-hmm. you're in, when you're in fear, right. And you love this person and you're in fear of losing, then that's when the jealousy kicks in. And mm-hmm. what is honestly jealousy? It's scarcity right? Yeah. Because then we're in scarcity of that person, that place or that thing. And that was one of the biggest um, lessons that I learned was because honestly, my husband, um, from the moment that I've met him, I knew he was the one for me. Like he, there's no one else on, on this, the face of the earth that I would ever want to share the rest of my life with. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's such a beautiful thing. You know, I knew that the man that I loved was in there, but I knew because of my own addiction of, of going through what I had been through and and what I was going through, I was like, sometimes we don't make the choices. How many times did I promise to myself, you know what, waking up um, hungover or not hungover, but shaking and, you know, and reaching for the next drink in the morning mm-hmm. and saying, I'm not drinking tonight. I'm not doing this. I just need this tequila shot just to, st- you know, steady myself and level myself. Right. Yeah. And then <laughs> and six o'clock would roll around. And I was like, well, you know, I need that bottle. I need, I need, I need that bottle. So I thought to myself, in my addiction, if I broke, those promises to myself in my addiction, I can only imagine what this person is going through. Yep. And, um, and, and I had choice and I had choice and I did, I had to make the choice and I, and I, and I separated and, and it was because, and I'm not Buddhist, but my super coach at the time was, and in reading um, Spiegelman, (laughs) what she says is that love doesn't come from scarcity. You know, it comes from abundance. And I thought to myself, my fist closed. I can't let love in. I need to let it open and let it, let him do what he's going to do. Because at the same time, either one thing will happen. or uh, There's various things that will happen. But one of the things that will happen is that I will still live sober on and I will be living the best life possible because nothing is worse than living in that hell of an addiction. Right. Okay. So, and when he 
when, when I let him go and he basically rolled downhill and did whatever he was doing and having at it at some point, that same thing, he had that same, it, it came back to thinking, you know, Viv has gotten out of this. She's, she's the person that's really, she did it somehow. And if she could do something and if she could change things, then you know what, maybe it's something I can take a look at. And that's when he basically, you know, extended. Now I had my boundaries, of course, you know, that I had to implement in order to let him back in and, um, you know, and us work together because now you have to build the trust factor, you know, Mm -hmm. because yeah. And and that goes for, that goes for any, anything and anyone like my children, one of my, my, my daughters, as I'm trying to get sober, um, she, I think I was also four months uh, sober for Easter. She had just had an operation and she shows up hungover. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my God, how am I going to deal with this? Right. But again, you know, I had to, at that point in time, I felt that you have to love yourself above all else and give yourself that space and allow, and and allow grown people to make these decisions for themselves, you know? And I, I think now I can tell you the beautiful love story of my husband, you know, coming back and being the great man that I knew he was and us, you know, both being able to come together and we both, you know, came back into um, couples therapy, addictions therapy, and putting in the work and doing the things that we needed to do in order to be able to come together because there's a feeling of, and I, I know, I mean, I only know this because when I'm, I was in an addiction and having someone else in their addiction, it, it, both, both parties have lost the trust. So now you have to come back and uh, come back together in putting back the pieces of trust. Mm-hmm. right and in love and you know and I, I believe that it was in the ability to learn things to uh, read these books on on how to love a person and it's also um on the other end of uh in I, I I really can't say about someone that has a partner that doesn't drink I mean I don't know how that but I know that that in talking to several uh, people, when I've been doing these rewired, um, it, you feel betrayed, you know, yeah. that the spouse that doesn't, that doesn't drink feels betrayed and they will feel betrayed for a while because they don't know if to trust. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, but in, in our love and in our um, wholeness of what we're trying to do in this um, facet of being sober and learning to love ourselves, then we come back with some openness and an open heart to them. And that's why, why I was saying love is not like this. Love is like this. And then that's when we have the open hand to say, okay, you know what? Let's both have this open hand and let's rebuild. And my daughter, the same way, you know, a 30-year-old, to tell a 30-year-old, you know, you really shouldn't drink there was no room for me to tell her that because she had seen so much, but it was through the way that now I wasn't hungover, 
Now I wasn't reactive. Now when she called me at 10 o'clock at night because she had a problem, there was a sober person on the other end and I was able to, to speak with her and yeah. I was able, you know, not to come from a place of judgment, but to come from a place of love and, um, it, and being all in all of those things, I, she's, she told me I would have never known. And, you know, excuse my French, but she told me like this, I would have never known mom what a shit show my life was if I would have never seen how beautiful you were leading your life. So it's kind of like seeing the side by side that they're like, wait a minute, I'm showing up hungover. I'm calling out days of work, but this person is going through their emotions and they're, and they're handling it differently. They're showing up differently. They look differently. If that doesn't, if love doesn't radiate out of your pores, just because you're sober and you're taking care of your sobriety, I don't know what, what is. It's the example, right? It's the example of you've taken your sobriety and you've rewired yourself. And it's that example where you're showing that love. I mean, you showed it to your husband using your own addiction experience. Oh yeah. Getting sober, showing that, that like self-love, that compassion, right? You set the boundaries, you separated, you left because that's what you needed to do for yourself. And then showed, continued to show that love and compassion for yourself. Right. right? And it all came back around, right. It allowed you guys to work together again and repair things right. and that obviously work with your family as well. You were able to use all of that. I just really yeah. want to say thanks, Viv, mm-hmm. for coming on tonight and sharing your experience of evolution of love and sobriety. I think it was really beautiful, Viv. Thank and you. I just want to thank you, uh, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Oh, was a I love really, you guys. really inspiring story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. There's thank so much you, to be you. learned from everything that you've been through. And I'm so glad that you're willing to share it with everybody. Yeah. So awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So just rewire and sober on, ma'am. And to our listeners, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. And we'll be back soon with another episode of Sobertown's Rewired podcast.